wrestling recommendations episode 47 normally guys we're a little bit more hyped up and ready to roll uh, of course i'm eddie and this is travis uh, but there's a lot of things to unpack pretty much we recorded last tuesday and so much stuff has happened since last tuesday uh of course you know the first thing i, I want to talk about terry funk passed away yeah, man, like I said, it wasn't, you know, 24 hours after we recorded, we got the news that Terry Funk passed away, and that's a, that was a hard pill to swallow just because, I mean, I knew he was getting older, but they had heard, I'd heard, like, you know, he was doing better. He was, like, going, you know, went to a couple of events and stuff, so, you know, things looked like they were going good for the Funker, and then all of a sudden we just got the news that he passed away. Mick Foley, I believe, is the one that broke it on uh, Twitter. And uh, I know that's like his mentor, you know, hero. So I'm sure that was hard for him to deal with. And I mean, the wrestling community was was having a hard time with that one just because he meant so much to a lot of people. And he was he went through so many different errors from the NWA to WCW, WWF, ECW, Attitude Era. I mean, even the dying days of WCW, he was a part of it. Um, right on up through XPW and different things like that. He was, he was a staple. And then you look at it, he came back and had some great matches in 06 with Edge, Mick Foley, uh, Tommy Dreamer at One Night Stand. Like that, that feud was pretty much the crux of One Night Stand that year, besides uh, RVD and John Cena. So he was a constant in the wrestling industry from, from before we were born until, you know, the day he passed away. I mean, Bully Ray showed where they had a match at the uh, old ECW arena and Terry Funk had cut a promo for him before the match that he to use. So, um, right up until the end, man, he, he bled wrestling. Um, there was just a picture for his birthday a couple months ago with him, him with the new ultimate Mattel figures on his cake and him holding a replica WWE title. And he looked, you know, like he was having a great time. So, it was still surprising, even when they get wrestlers or people that you watch on TV get older and then pass away. It's just, it's not something you're expecting because you're they're not in your view every minute of every day, I guess. But I was I was pretty surprised to, to get that news about Terry Funk. Yeah, from I believe he was seventy seven years old. I think is how old he was. Seventy nine. Um, he was seventy nine years old, so he had a long and fruitful life. Um, our good buddy Brandon from Ranch of the Black Lodge at the very end of this episode, uh, he he has a nice little tribute to Terry Funk, and uh, we're we're gonna put that on this episode forever and um, forever. And Terry Funk was a legit awesome badass wrestler, and you know going back and watching some of the stuff in '89 with Flair, and then leading in with Muda and Gary Hart, um, and then of course you know ECW, the, you know the the, the wonderful stuff that came out from barely legal on uh, beyond the mat mm -hmm. and you know 
Dennis Paul Stamp. Heyman. Dennis Paul, Stamp. Yep, yeah. <laughs> and Paul, you got me booked, man. Uh, Paul Heyman, you know, going out and, you know, and saying, you know, we, we the, Terry deserves this moment. And they had a good moment with Terry and then the Chainsaw Charlie. And then I, I, for some reason, every time I think of Terry Funk, I think of him getting choke slammed out of his white New Balances. That's all yeah. I think of. And the Hell in a cool. Cell match with Sean. And, um, of course, the WCW stuff, him and uh, Candido having matches and that mule, like, kicking them as he's pile driving Candido. Um, it, it, it definitely, you know, and even, you know, the one-night stand stuff when they did, you know, the stuff with Mick and Edge, and um, that's some pretty fun stuff, too. Um, well, Terry I'm... Funk was around pretty much the entire time I've watched wrestling, so... Mm-hmm. Um, seeing everybody talk about Terry, I, I feel like no one ever says a bad thing about Terry. Uh, I've not really seen anybody him becoming such a big deal in the Texas death or not Texas death match, but the Japan death matches with Mick Foley. Um, we may have to add one of those matches on onto the list here. And um, of course he's in fucking roadhouse and he's in over the top. Nope. And you got, you got to look back too, man. Uh, he was an NWA champion. He had the empty arena match with Jerry Lawler. That is still highly regarded that, companies have tried to duplicate and they you know they can't do it um and then the, the also the dusty sucks egg shirt um cody did a pretty cool promo on smackdown this past week about uh hearing terry funk call his dad an egg sucking dog so um <laughs> it's terry funk was a constant man and he, he retired numerous times but it was always always cool to see i mean him and brett had that match that's featured on beyond the mat that um was at his retirement show so um one of many but still you know <laughs> terry funk man is a, he was a legend um and he, he was a he was admired by a lot of people especially the ecw crew man they 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 love terry funk and just go back and if you watch any old ecw episodes the whole chairs being thrown in the ring spot is is terry funk and cactus jack all they did was ask for a chair and the whole arena threw all their chairs in the ring. So flaming Brandon iron sock on your head, whatever you want to say, man, Terry Funk, uh, Terry Funk could do it all. And he was pretty good commentator for WCW after his matches with flair in, in 89 and 90. He was, he was a pretty decent commentator that soft Southern draw. From the double cross ranch in Amarillo, Texas. Um, Terry, you're gonna be missed. Um, he, like I said, he had a, a long and fruitful life. Um, his wife passed away a few years ago, and um, that we kept seeing things that you know people kept saying that his health was declining. Um, but for the man to go through that much wars, that many wars, and the, the kind of style that he he wrestled. Um, for him to make it to 79, um, mm-hmm. absolutely. I mean, I, I don't think I will make it to 79. So. so um terry uh rest in peace my friend uh thank you for uh um everything you put into the business and all the memories um and now it's it this one's a little bit tougher to swallow than terry passing away and it's the passing of bray wyatt man and they kind of came out of nowhere and i think to me this one is hitting different and i think it's because he's our age he's he's he was 36 he yeah, passed away, man, and that—that's like I said, it hits me a little bit harder because that 30, 36 is fucking young, man. That's not old at all. Yeah, and it really puts your your life kind of in, you know, um, more of I guess a, 
of a retrospect, I guess, because you got to look and say he's 36 years old. I'll be 36 years old in two weeks. And you just don't think of something like that happening to a guy. And it makes you take a lot of the things around you more seriously as far as health and stuff. Cause like this was a perfectly healthy guy. And then from January to now he went through COVID and he had heart issues, heart complications because of that is what they're, you know, saying caused it. And that could be any one of us, man. I mean, we could get something and it calls us to, our whole body to change. And you just, you don't know, man, he's 36 years old, four kids, a fiance in the world in front of him. And he was working to come back. And I think that's what more surprised me than anything is there's just a couple of weeks ago and it's dirt sheet stuff, but they were all saying like, you know, he's working to make a comeback. He's working to make a comeback. He's, he's had some health issues, but he's, he's working to come back. And, and everybody was looking forward to that. And there were even rumors that he was going to be at SummerSlam. And then, even rumors that he was going to be at payback as, you know, as, as his return. And then this kind of pops out of nowhere. And it was just, just kind of like, it stopped me in my tracks. Cause I'm like, that, that, that can't be right. And then it was man. Like it was, it was just something out of nowhere that no one was expecting somebody that young. It's, it's same thing with Brody Lee, like Brody Lee's came out of nowhere. And you know, it's, it's, like you said, it's, it's tough. It hits, hits a little different cause he is our age. And we look around and see the similarities of, of, of life far as families and wives and kids and all those people were without a dad, without a husband, without a brother. So it is, um, it very much hits home with, with the age factor there. Like, you know, we watched him come from Husky Harris, <laughs> uh, what, you know, with the, what was it? The, something with the Ferrari engine. I can't remember what exactly the quote was. And, and to, to it's like a Mack truck, I guess like a Mack truck with a Ferrari engine. Yeah, that's it. And you go from the Wyatt family in NXT to the Wyatt family on TV to, to the fiend and all that stuff. Firefly Funhouse, And you, we watched that evolve. And then it's just like, I don't even think the best chapters were written yet. Like there was the big plans from what they were doing, you know, that we'll, we'll never know what was going to happen with that. But even, you know, even more sad, is just that loss of a young life that had still so much to give the world and his family. So it's a, it's, it's a crazy thing to think about. It just still doesn't seem real until you really just look at it. And it's like, yeah, that happened. So it's, it's, it's different. As Eric said, like Eric in our group message talked about it, how like he, you know, he, he kept him, into wrestling when he wasn't, it was kind of falling out of it. He was that one thing that kept him holding on to what's going to happen next. And, you know, it's, and he was like that for a lot of people. So it is, it's crazy, man, that, that Bray Wyatt's no longer with us. You know, and a lot of things that I've been seeing as everybody super positive. Um, we'll talk about a little bit. We're going to, we're going to talk about all in as well, but um, FTR wore, you know, armbands for Bray jay briscoe and brody and it's wild to think about that and you know the last couple of years we lost all those people and um you know jay's was very sudden as well it kind of came out of nowhere and it was kind of just like you know a shocked look on my face when i read it and i said what the fuck like and seeing this as well i was at work and um my phone was vibrating like crazy 
and I didn't know I didn't know why. And I got off work, I clocked out, and I saw it, and I was like, "What the fuck?" And my immediate thought was maybe it was mental health mental health issues that yeah. you know you know I don't want to you know be that guy, but think you know maybe he had a lot going on in his head and um, you know he took his own life. But luckily, you know it's it's fucked up to kind of say it like that. Luckily, that wasn't the case. But at the same time, this is even worse from what you know the reports that we've read is you know he caught COVID in January. And uh, never really made a full recovery. He had a lot of health issues. They talked about it um, throughout the year that they, you know, that's part of the, that he's been having health issues. It wasn't, you know, creative or anything like that. And, and, and kudos to WWE on that. And, and AEW in the same sense is they didn't publicize what was going on. Like they kept it private. Like it wasn't, you know, in the dirt sheets, really what was going on with him, much like Brody Lee. So, I commend them for that, that it wasn't ever put out there, like what was going on with him. And, you know, we find out now, but it's not something for clickbait and, and shit like those websites use. So kudos to them for that. I'll give them that. Yeah. And like I said, it's all kind of sudden and um, just seeing the amount of people that he touched. Um, I mean, just like, you know, our friends alone, you know, and they're, you know, I've seen Skip and um, me and Skip had a weird falling out and me and Skip kind of, you know, reconciled, you know, th these last, you know, month, month and a half and um, puts in perspective a lot, man. Like, you know, you never know, you know, when your next, you know, your next day could be your last day. You don't know, you know, and um, just I wish more people would tell other people how much they mean to them. It shouldn't be when you die. Everyone kind of makes it seem like, you know, how important and influential of a person you were to them. Um, because, you know, that might be a make or break moment for somebody to hear that. So, um, I mean, I wanted to do this big, huge video, like audio of all the promos and stuff, but I couldn't find one promo to kind of just seal what I, you know, the whole Bray Wyatt character, um, but I really look forward to covering a Bray Wyatt match so we can talk about him like fully in depth about the man, um, Wyndham Rotunda. And um, yeah, man, like I said, just kind of puts, puts in perspective how quick life can end because Terry Funk is, you know, double the age of what Bray Wyatt was. And that's kind of a weird, bitter, bitter pill to swallow as well. Yeah. And, and I know a lot of people have shared the promo when Bray Wyatt came back to WWE and that's a good one and like kind of showed his mindset and and a lot of people I think went towards you know darker thoughts with what was going on because of promos like that where he was talking about how much he lost and how you know what he had been going through in his life and you know it, it, it's a very telling promo that when he comes back it really opened you up to the man instead of the character and uh, I know Eric I think I believe Eric shared that on on social media or maybe in our group or something but I, i've seen that promo a lot and it's one people gravitate to I man it's another guy that you didn't really hear of anybody say a bad word about i mean 15 people from the roster went and got a bray wyatt logo tattoo for him so and seth rollins has the fiend plate on the side of his world title and it's it, it's amazing to see and you got to think man these guys have been up and down the roads with him for the last 10 years in WWE, like they're seeing him more than they're seeing their family. And then that guy's gone. Um, and from what I understand, he's one of the nicest guys 
just reading the stories, take anybody under their wings, show them the ropes, try to do anything he could for them to make them feel welcome. And it's going to be a hole that's going to be hard to fill um, for for the company and for those people that knew him closely. Yeah, it's really weird too because I was I was thinking about this and I've talked about it in the past, but I I remember going to that FCW show and he was there as that Axel Mulligan where he had the mask on, like a mask of duct tape. Uh, and just kind of wild to see him, you know, evolve from that to him, you know, becoming Bray Wyatt and then becoming the, you know, the Eater of Worlds and then the Fiend. And um, like I said, I really look forward to covering one of his matches. And I mean, I think at this point, um, you know, it's still really, really like an, a really open wound. And um, I think, I think one day we'll get to kind of break it down a little bit more. Um, but I think at this point, I just kind of want to say, you know, rest in peace and, you know, hopefully his family can kind of find some peace um, with everything. Yeah. The same sentiments there, man. It's, it's been a tough year for the, the wrestling community. And it's a weird thing because it's like, you don't know these people, but you invest so much time in wrestling and these characters. And if you're like us, you dwell into what's going on behind the scenes, these people, and you watch them evolve into a, a superstar. So you kind of feel like you're with them on that journey. And then it's just, it's just something like with wrestling that you don't get with anything else. And, um, you feel very much like you're a part of something watching these people and that you've been with them on this ride and you had that personal connection with them. So it's, it's a, it's a tough thing for the wrestling community to have to deal with. I mean, We've lost the Iron Sheik. We've lost Bray. We've lost Terry Funk. Um, and, and there's more. I mean, someone showed the graphic the other day. There's about 10, 10 people we've lost this year alone. And it's it's been it's been crazy, man. And then on top of that, you got, you know, someone like Bob Barker who was on wrestling and loved it, and he passed <laughs> away. And it's it's just like boom, 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 man. Like it's just the never ending flow of, of uh it seems to be raining shit on the wrestling community, as they would say, still a basketball line. But it's just, um, it's tough, man. It's tough to see these people you invest, invest with and feel like you're a part of a part of their their journey, and it's it's just taken away from you and them. Yeah. On to something a little less depressing. All in happened, man. Um, big stadium show. I don't want to go too in depth with that. I kind of want to get to you know get to our episode this week, but, um, I watched it. Um, it was okay. It wasn't terrible. Um, I, I think that it could have been a lot worse, uh, considering, you know, I, I wasn't really hyped up to watch the card. Uh, but, um, FTR and the young bucks wowed me. I, I fucking enjoyed it. It's on the list. Now, um, I added that one. Uh, I'm still iffy if I should add Adam Cole versus, uh, uh, MJF, but, I, I had fun with that match as well. There was a lot of shenanigans, but it was still really fun for me to watch. Um, everything else was was good to okay. Uh, I will say this, though. Um, people putting over Osprey versus Jericho, I do not agree with. I feel like Osprey no. had to slow down for Jericho. Not dis, not disrespecting Chris Jericho, but he's not Chris Jericho from, you know, 98. He is Jericho, and, and rightfully so. He's Jericho in 2023. But Will Ospreay, to me, I broke it down to, to my wife, to Landry, telling her, yeah, I know you haven't seen this guy. 
this guy is one of the best wrestlers in the world. And I feel like I can clearly say that the guy is amazing in the ring. And I felt like I looked at her and she was like, why is he having to go so slow? Like she's noticing that. So, um, and I know the AEW fans, they're real big into kind of glamorizing everything to make it seem better. Uh, I felt like it could have been a lot better. That's, that's the best way to put it. Um, commit, I commend those guys for putting in 80, over 80,000 people in the arena and, they're hanging their hat on that and they're, you know, and, and, and that's cool, man. Like they should, they should hang their hat on that. But like to watch, if you ever go in the comments, some of these Facebook feeds or Twitter comments, man, it, it is just a toxic thing. Like I was sending people, I was sending us and the rest of the purest guys screenshots of people like, this is the best match ever. Jericho and Osprey seven stars and da-da, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, but it's not though. Like, can you not watch it objectively and be like, this isn't the best, but in their mind, they want it to be the best so much. And, and, you know, they're passionate for it. So, you know, good for them. But you, you look at that whole card, man, if, if you're going to stack 80,000 people in there and I just, I, I feel like the card was a letdown. Like it wasn't, built the way it should have been. And I, I know I get flack from Eric and Scott for saying that, but I just feel like something that big, you should have made it bigger. The matches shouldn't have been thrown together in a week and a half, two weeks. Like you should have built to something instead of just, Oh, here you go. We're going to throw all this on there. And to me, it felt more like a, a big indie show with just, you know, some big time matches on it. Um, and Punkin Punkin Joe was good. I, I enjoyed I, it. If, just, if I'm being honest with you, I I I felt like Punkin Joe was a better match than Osprey and Jericho. Yeah, and and it, to me, just from what I read and watched, you know, online, I I feel like it was too. It's just to me, it's going to be hard for them to put eighty thousand people back in that place next year if they do the same thing they did this year. And part of the problem is having two pay per views within a week. I think that's going to become a problem too. All out being a week after all in, it, it's just not going to be a viable thing. If you're going to, you're going to have to pretty much not blow anything off at all in to get to your pay per view at all out. So that well, that's on Tony Khan though. I know, I know, we give AEW a lot of flack. WWE is currently kind of doing this now too because they have yeah. a pay per view this Saturday and they're they're still announcing matches for it instead of kind of being up uh, uh, ahead of everything, but. In a world where you're charging, I don't know how much the pay-per-view was because I didn't pay for it. But if 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 it's anywhere between forty to fifty dollars, and you're asking people to drop anywhere between eighty to hundred dollars in two weeks, dude, that's that's a lot of money to ask out of people because people aren't you know making a ton of money at the moment. I mean, there's everything is so expensive, and um, you know I'm, we're not going to talk politics or anything like that, but. Everything's expensive. I mean, and it and the cost of living is so high. That, Inflation is real. We'll, yeah, we'll say that, that nobody yeah. that nobody could afford that. So business sense wise, doesn't make very much sense. I mean, they made a ton of money, um, and I think that you know that they, they made it a pay per view, and that's cool and all. But you're it, it's, it's just way too close. I feel like you're kind of shooting yourself in the foot. But I, I, I would talk about the whole punk thing. I want to wait and see how that all plays out. So we'll get to that uh, probably next week. Well. And I did mention one thing. I said, what's the one thing people are talking about about this show? And it's the whole punk uh, Jungle Boy Jack Off Perry 
um, thing. Like they're not even talking about the show or what happened there. Like largely that's already been forgotten except for the attendance number. And that can be debated. Like, I mean, they're saying it's sold out, but then you look and see tarped off places and red seats and whatever you want to call it. I mean, and they, everybody says WWE inflates their numbers, whatever you want to say. I mean, it cool for Tony Khan and them, but it's just to me, no one's even talking about that now. All they're talking about is punk and the fact that your biggest star is not going to be on your second pay-per-view in a week in his hometown. And, and and that's something else I'll touch on too. Is like they went over to England, their first show there, they did 80,000 people. Fine, great, dandy. But you can't put 5,000 people in a 20,000-seat arena in the USA. There's something wrong with your product, whether you want to admit it or not. Well, I mean, th- that goes without saying. Every time WWE has gone to the UK, they've done really good numbers. It's just UK doesn't have a huge, and most of it's independent scene-wise. Mm-hmm. They don't have a huge organization in the UK. So it's a good market to capitalize on. And kudos to them. I know Impact did really big numbers going to the UK as well. Yep. So, uh, I mean, kudos, kudos to AEW. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna rag on anything. The whole punk thing, like I said, we'll talk about that another day. Um, I watched the show. I mean, I thought it was okay. I really enjoyed certain parts of it. Some parts I was just like, uh, eh. but um, it was fun. It's a fun time to be a wrestling fan. You know, a lot of negativity and a lot of you know, you know, deaths. You know, this week, um, it was nice to have something to kind of get your mind off it. Well, and as a wrestling fan, you have to be objective and. I know it's vanilla and chocolate. Everybody has different flavors. But when you can literally sit there and say, I've seen it all week since the show, that All In was a better show than WrestleMania. I think that's just you being an AEW fanboy. And I'm sorry to say that, but I can sit here and say that, that no, it wasn't. I mean, Forbidden Door was better than All In. Um, It's just... It's just apples and oranges, man. What do you prefer? But no objective wrestling fan can sit there and say All In was better than WrestleMania. And I just, not somebody that watches the product for the product and not just to be a flag bearer for one company and not the other. It's it's just cool to see a lot of good wrestling in 2023. There's been a lot of good matches. We've added a lot of matches to our list. But Travis... Let's finally roll on to after we've killed almost a half hour of time. It's like you on the wrestling purist taking forever here. Uh, <laughs> let's talk about the match that was chosen last week. The Shield versus the Rhodes Brothers from Battleground 2013. This is pretty much the first time we've had the Shield as a team on the podcast. We've already covered a Dean Ambrose match, the match he had with Triple H from Roadblock. And we've also covered um, Seth Rollins matches that recently happened at uh, Night of Champions with AJ Styles. Mm-hmm. I kind of want to talk about just from when The Shield made their debut in 2012. So let's dive right on in it, buddy. Dean Ambrose, Roman Reigns, and then reigning NXT champion Seth Rollins made their official WWE debut at Survivor Series 2012, interfering in the triple threat main event match between then WWE champion CM Punk, John Cena, and Ryback, allowing Punk to pin John Cena to retain the title. The group was originally supposed to wear turtlenecks and carry riot shields. <laughs> yeah. That's good Vince, shit, brother. Vince McMahon is such a such a creative genius sometimes. And also, fuck Ryback. They're, they're a shield, so they need to carry riot shields. Because, you know, they don't get the fact that they're a shield. Because it's literal. Sometimes, sometimes it's fucking I feel literal. Like, 
sometimes you feel like he just like he just genuinely thinks people are fucking stupid. And I think that's like a that's like a, a like a billionaire outlook on other people, but I digress. When CM Punk was champion, a group of guys were going to be put with Punk to help him keep retaining the title and continue to get heel heat. The original lineup suggested to Punk involved Daniel Bryan and The Big Show as their heater. CM Punk groaned at that idea. This is what Punk said on his podcast with Colt Cabana. He has since claimed to have come up with the idea of The Shield with his original lineup consisting of Dean Ambrose, Seth Rollins, and Cassius Ono. However, Punk has said Triple H nixed Cassius Ono being a part of the group, and they then suggested their guy, quote-unquote, Roman Reigns. CM Punk said it wasn't his hill to die on, and it might give him a good rub, so he was all about it. The next night on Raw, the group identified themselves as The Shield and vowed to rally against injustices. Despite claiming that they were not working for either CM Punk or his manager at the time, Paul Heyman, over the next few weeks on both Raw and SmackDown, they routinely emerged from the crowd to attack CM Punk's enemies. They also attacked Randy Orton, which would lead to the Shield's debut match at TLC 2012, where they defeated Ryback and Team Hell No in a TLC match. That match, Travis, is on our list. Yeah, the only Ryback match that'll probably ever be on our list, and it's not because of him. Shout out to Ryback. He was actually liking some of our videos on TikTok. Uh, fuck you, Ryback. It is still pretty cool. <laughs> he, he liked some of our shit. Uh, the reason this match was made was due to CM Punk being injured at the hands of Ryback, uh, and he was originally slated to wrestle Ryback in a TLC match. Yep, I do remember that. That's the whole where Punk talks about how he injured him every time they got in the ring together. Are you fucking stupid? Yeah, I'm a fucking, <laughs> fucking stupid. I, I, I highly suggest you guys, if you ever get the chance, you've never listened to it, listen to Punk talk on the Art of, uh, Art of uh, Wrestling uh, Colt Cabana episode. It, it is very telling. It's interesting. January 2013, on an episode of NXT, The Shield made their first appearance as a group in NXT, where Rollins was still champion. A week later, Rollins lost the NXT title to Big E Langston in a no disqualification match after the NXT locker room neutralized the interference from the Shield. Five. I remember watching that. Five count. Big E, his fucking big old man titties. <laughs> we miss you, Big E. Sucks, you know, his injury. Sad. The Shield would once again help CM Punk by attacking Ryback during their TLC match on Raw for the WWE title, which resulted in Punk retaining the title. On the January 21st episode of Raw, The Shield attacked The Rock, Rock uh, CM Punk's WWE Championship contender at that year's Royal Rumble, resulting in McMahon declaring that their interference in the title match would result in CM Punk being stripped of the title. Punk denied an alliance with The Shield before calling them out and informing them that he did not want them to interfere in his upcoming title match. However, during Punk's title match at the Royal Rumble, the lights would cut off and The Rock was attacked by The Shield in the darkness. And when the lights came back on, he had been put through the announcer's table, leading to CM Punk pinning The Rock and retaining the championship. The match, though, was immediately restarted by Vince McMahon with The Rock winning the WWE Championship. The following night on Raw, it was revealed through footage played by Vince McMahon that Punk's manager, Paul Heyman, had been paying the shield to work for him all along. 
Yeah, I still hate that booky decision that The Rock beat Cena. I mean, The Rock beat CM Punk. I just don't think The Rock needed the title for what they were going to do coming up. But yeah, man, it's it was a cool little storyline. They got a huge rub from The Rock, Paul Heyman, and CM Punk right off the bat. And they were made to look dominant through that TLC match. So, you know, they, they had a rocket ship strapped to their ass right from the beginning. Here's the thing. Promoter standpoint, booker standpoint, you still have to do the match at the Rumble. Punk wins the title, retains the title. Uh, Cena has already won the Royal Rumble, and The Rock was cheated out of his title match. So we get Rock Cena at uh, Elimination Chamber. That's the, that's your main event, and CM Punk interferes. No, it doesn't have to be your main event. It could just be your your match, whatever. And CM Punk interferes, and it leads to them having because there's no decisive winner. It leads to a three way match. Cena wins the title at Mania, and it's a triple threat match. I think that would have made more sense. Yeah, I, I agree with that because a lot of people will say, and I believe the match is on our list that CM Punk versus John Cena from the the uh, Raw leading into WrestleMania, where they determine so the num- number one contendership, is so damn good. And I think that was a big FU to the WWE from CM Punk. But listen, I should have been at Mania in the main event, which arguably his match with The Undertaker steals the show and is the best best storyline leading into that Mania. It's the best match on so, that card. So, you know, he still he still gets it. He does just does just doesn't get the main event accolade. But yeah, man, we could they could have done that so different and at least gave CM Punk the you know, the, the rub he needed because the dude held, put the company on his back for over a year and kind of got screwed out of his, his spot to shine at WrestleMania. You know, I don't know if we have the, um, I don't know if we have punk and taker on our list. Uh, I think we may, because it's the only damn match from that mania. That's good. Well, we may, we may, on the January 28th episode of Raw, The Shield attacked John Cena as well as Sheamus and Ryback when they attempted to save Cena. The Shield justified their actions due to a decade of injustice caused by Cena, setting up a match at the Elimination Chamber, which The Shield won. They continued their feud against Sheamus, having several matches against him, including a six-man tag match at WrestleMania 29, where The Shield defeated Sheamus, Randy Orton, and Big Show in a six-man tag match. I want to say that's the opener of WrestleMania 29. I could be wrong, but I'm almost positive. I'm pretty sure it is. And it's just kind of like a, a there match. It's just, let's get these three big single stars, a spot on the card. Yeah. Which in, in the long term probably hurt the card more so, but not having them in singles matches. You could have done Sheamus or Orton in, in any other match. After WrestleMania, the shield attempted to attack the undertaker on raw, but were forced to retreat by team. Hell no. This led to a match where The Shield defeated the Brothers of Destruction and Daniel Bryan. On the April 26th episode of SmackDown, Ambrose had made his singles debut against The Undertaker and lost via submission. But after the match, The Shield attacked The Undertaker. They talk about them attacking The Undertaker in this match. Mm-hmm. Ambrose then started a feud with the U.S. champion Kofi Kingston, winning the title at Extreme Rules. At that same event, Rollins and Reigns defeated Team Hell No to win the tag titles. From May to August 2013, the Shield defended their championships against several opponents. Ambrose defended the U.S. title against Kofi Kingston, Kane, and RVD, while Rollins and Reigns defended the tag titles against Team Hell No, Daniel Bryan and Randy Orton, and the Usos. 
On the June 14th episode of SmackDown, the Shield's undefeated streak in televised six-man tag matches came to an end at the hands of Team Hell No and Randy Orton when Brian submitted Rollins. This was Brian's big push into SummerSlam. Which we covered on our podcast. We did. Great match. Great match. In August 2013, The Shield began working for Triple H and aiding the WWE champion and quote-unquote the face of the WWE, Randy Orton, against Daniel Bryan, while also attacking wrestlers like The Big Show and Dolph Ziggler for speaking out against Triple H's regime. Which leads us to their opponents, the Rhodes Brothers. I want to save a full retrospective for Cody and Dustin for later on because we have countless matches of theirs on our list. So mm-hmm. we're pretty much just going to pick up right in 2012, right where uh, right where their careers are right before all this happened. In 2012, Cody had been fresh off a big Intercontinental title run where we saw him bring back the classic Intercontinental Championship, which he would go on to lose to Christian. Cody then aligned himself with Damian Sandow, attacking tag champions at the time, Team Hell No, in September 2012. Rhodes Scholars won a tag team tournament to become the number one contenders to the WWE Tag Team Championships, but were defeated by Team Hell No. Cody would suffer a concussion and a strained shoulder, resulting in him being removed from his traditional five-on-five tag teams match at Survivor Series. I remember this. I think he took like a back body drop and landed weird. I think it was from Kane or Daniel Bryan. I can't remember exactly who it was, but I remember watching that, and I remember he got he got hurt. Got rocked. Yeah, there's a lot of concussions around this time. At Money in the Bank 2013, Cody competed in the World Heavyweight Championship Money in the Bank match, which would be won by Damian Sandow after Sandow turned on Rhodes and threw him off the ladder just as Cody was about to win the match. The crowd wanted Cody to win that match. Like They... They were definitely behind Cody Rhodes winning that match, and then Damian Sandow wins it, and then they don't do shit with Sandow and the and the briefcase essentially after that. Nope, he had like a, a leather briefcase, which was great to see. It was he goes on and loses to John Cena as he tries to cash in on Raw, fucking terrible. The following night on Raw, Rhodes attacks Sandow and dissolved the team of Rhodes Scholars, turning face for the first time since 2008. They feuded over the briefcase, which Rhodes threw into the Gulf of Mexico. That's where he got the leather briefcase from. At SummerSlam, Cody Rhodes defeated Sandow and did so again the following night on Raw. In September 2013, Cody started a storyline with his brother against Triple H. After Rhodes was defeated by Randy Orton, he was kayfabed fired. The storyline happened to give Cody time off uh, for his marriage and honeymoon to Brandy. Mm -hmm. Which you'll kind of hear a little bit about. Over the next few weeks, Cody's brother Goldust returned to the company for the first time since that year's Royal Rumble, which he was thrown out by Cody Rhodes in that Royal Rumble. He would also lose to Orton with Cody's reinstatement on the line, while his father, Dusty Rhodes, was knocked out forcefully by the Big Show while pleading for his sons to get their jobs back. Goldust looked phenomenal at this time, too, and he puts on a hell of a match with Randy Orton on Raw. Um, that I would might need to go back and watch to see if it qualifies for the list. But they he I remember us watching that and be like, man, Goldust has still got it. But you got to think Goldust was coming off of like a TNA run where he was super out of shape. Black and, Ranger. Yeah, and he had just been through a dark time in his life. So when he came back to this 
and he was this good. It reminded us one of early gold dust being able to move around and do whatever. And, and also the natural Dustin road. So natural. he was, he was definitely, uh, he had, he had, uh, turned back the hands of time as they say, cause he was looking like a, uh, 20 year old kid against Randy Orton. Oh yeah. He was a great, uh, shout out to, uh, my watch along. I'll talk about it later on where I'm still watching along WCW 92, uh, Dustin Rhodes and Barry Windham as a tag team, 10 out of 10 highly recommend. Uh, in return, though, the vengeful Rhodes brothers gate crash Raw by attacking the Shield, setting up for their match at Battle Crown with the stipulation that if they won, both brothers would be reinstated. This would lead to the infamous Dusty promo, the Raw before Battleground, where he went off script and put his hand in Stephanie McMahon's face. Travis was able to find that awesome clip, and I'm going to insert it right now. Gentlemen, everyone's obviously happy to have you here. And Cody, it's the first time we're seeing each other since the wedding. Congratulations. I trust that your father gave you the gift card to Bed Bath & Beyond. It's our wedding, wedding present. Why, why, why the angry look on all your faces? We invite you out here out of the goodness of our hearts to offer you another opportunity, and this is the look of hostility that you give us. How many, how many opportunities is this now, Steph? What are we on? I, I've so, lost count. Yeah, and me too. What is this, like this, like four? At least. Now? I mean, it started with you, Cody. We gave you the opportunity to get your job back. All you had to do was beat the face of the WWE Randy Orton, and you failed. So... Out of the goodness of our hearts, we give an opportunity to your brother, Dustin. Gold Dust, all he had to do was beat Randy Orton. And Dustin did what Dustin always does. He failed. Which brought us to the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes. We offered the American Dream the opportunity to get your job back, Cody, and what does he do? Dusty makes it about Dusty, which quite frankly is what he always does. I don't get it, Dusty. What what is it? Why you still bitter about the whole not being able to make it outside of Florida and the NWA thing? You bitter at the fact that when you tried to make it on a national level and work with the McMahons, you failed. We couldn't even get it done with the polka dots, Steph. So we offer you to get your son's job back, and what do you do? You tell my wife to go to hell. and he got knocked out for it. So, here we are, opportunity number four. Now, Dusty, you have the most important job in all of the WWE right now. You train and develop WWE superstars at our Performance Center in Orlando. You literally hold their future in the palm of your hand. And isn't it ironic that tonight, my husband and I hold your son's future in the palm of our hands. So on to the proposition. Cody, we'd like to give you your job back. 
and gold dust? Well, we'd like to give you a job. Or rather, we'd like to give you the opportunity to gain your employment if you can beat the WWE Tag Team Champions, Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns, this Sunday at Battleground. That's right. All you have to do is beat the Tag Team Champions at Battleground and you get your jobs back. But, isn't it funny, Steph, how there's always a but on there these is. things? There is. There's always a but. But, if you lose, if you lose, then Cody and Dustin, you will never work in the WWE again. And not only that, but your father, the American Dream Dusty Rhodes, will join you on the unemployment line. You're big on getting in people's faces. Let me don't cross the line, old man. Let me tell you something. One stipulation: I'm in my boy's corner, and I'll be your huckleberry all night long. You're on, but it seems like you're itching for a fight, Dream. Careful what you wish for; you just might get it. Travis, I'll be your huckleberry. And the thing of it was, the hand thing wasn't even that big of a deal. Like he barely, he just barely, like just did it. And then like she got took a fence and like knocks his hand down and all this other stuff. And I'm like, she, she they blew that way out of proportion. Apparently, so Dusty like, got you crossed the line, old man. <laughs> Dusty apparently got in trouble for that for no it's damn such a reason. stupid reason, and it suited his character because she's a loud bitch and he's trying to shut her up. Like it makes sense. And he used to do uh, that to everybody. Like he would do that. He'd do his hand thing and be like, "No, baby." Like he he would just put his hand up to people, and he probably didn't even think about it. Just did it, and it got him some heat, brother. Yeah, and at the time they talk about it too. Dusty is you know pretty much running nxt with triple h so that must have been really awkward for them to work mm-hmm. together after stephanie got so offended with everything going on she she could be kind of a cunt sometimes i'm not gonna lie yeah you throw right. that out there you are correct this show travis battleground took place Oof. on october 6 2013 in buffalo new york the attendance was eleven thousand seven hundred. And this is getting towards the end of WWE running pay-per-views as the network would drop in February of 2014. Yeah, and you said it, and then I'll, I'll say it here. Um, this card sucks. Dude, this is a rough show. Like I tried to watch some of the matches as I was, you know, doing, you know, watching for, you know, this rewatching this match. It's rough. It is. It, it's very, very rough, and it's just kind of a weird time period because. Like, I feel like they're in a really good spot right now, talent-wise, in 2023. Ten years ago, not so much. Like, they, they, they're in a weird lull here. 
they just didn't know what to do with some of the stars they had. This is also the weird Wolverine punk. Um, Paul Heyman guys are like Curtis Axel and Ryback with his weird vest. Um, but those wear hats. But Curtis Axel has that. Uh, he has the Intercontinental title. Like this is when I thought Curtis Axel was about to get the damn strapped to the moon at the time, and it just kind of went away. But um, yeah, it's a weird time, man. They were trying to force people to be Paul Heyman guys, and they weren't clicking with the audience. Um, the Usos are in a weird phase where they're doing stuff for a minute, then they're not. Kofi Kingston has gotten stale as whatever. Like the match after this on the card is actually Bray Wyatt versus Kofi Kingston. And I watched it and it's like Kofi's just floundering. He was literally just being fed to Bray to keep Bray relevant at the time. And man, it, it's it's hard because like you said, they have all this talent and you'll see a bunch of it if you watch to the end where they celebrate on the stage. But and a lot of these guys are big time players now that they just didn't know what to do with at the time. I think changing of the guard here it desperately was needed, and you just didn't really get it. Like, so here's here's kind of the card: Del Rio defeated Rob Van Dam in a hardcore match for the World Heavyweight Championship. Del Rio was Del Rio had a chance to be a big star, and he just kept shooting himself in the foot. And I just was never a Del Rio guy, man. He was just so damn boring. Like he never, never did it for me, never. Well, I feel like a lot of this too. Uh, a lot of this had to be changed because Dolph Ziggler was originally supposed to be world heavyweight champion. champion. I'm assuming for a little while, but he, got, he suffered a concussion and kind of had to drop the title belt. And that's how Del Rio wins the title. Well, and you want to talk about a guy that that had the rocket man is um is Dolph. I mean, they kept giving him the rocket, taking it away. Like he's the one that gets the final pinfall against the authority when sting debuts. And then it's just like, man, it's like he's here. Then he's back down the card here, back down the card. And like, people just got like, they couldn't get behind the guy because it just kept not being what everybody wanted him to be. Like you can't get behind somebody when you're constantly pulling the rug out from under them. No, I agree. You get the real Americans, Jack Swagger and Antonio Cesaro with Zeb Coulter. Uh, defeating Santino Morella and the Great Collie. God dang it. And I actually like the Real Americans. We the people, baby. Um, it, it was a pretty cool tag team, but like, why the fuck are they wrestling Collie and Santino Morella on a fucking pay-per-view? Yeah, I don't understand. You have the Usos just chilling in the fucking back, by the way. Mm-hmm. Fucking terrible. Uh, Curtis Axel. Intercontinental champion defeated R Truth to retain the Intercontinental title. It's just another another bonehead move. Like R Truth, I love the guy. He's funny, but he was just at this time not positioned to be a singles champion. Not at all. Not at all. And then you have the Divas title belt here. AJ Lee defeated Brie Bella to re, uh, to retain the title, which. AJ was the best thing going in the Divas division slash women's division at the time. Just never been a big Bellas fan. It's never they never did it for me either. Yeah, I want to say she suffered a concussion on the show as well. So there's that. Uh, of course, we get Cody and Dustin versus the Shield. Uh, right after this, like you already mentioned, Bray Wyatt defeated Kofi Kingston. CM Punk defeated Ryback. And in the main oh. event, the main event of this show, the title's already vacated. It's Daniel Bryan versus Randy Orton 
And it ended in a no fucking contest because Big Show comes Big out. Show. That's how yeah. they end the fucking show. Yeah. Um, terrible. You already know Punk doesn't like working with Ryback if you're a fan like we are. So no one's looking forward to that match. And listen, I love Daniel Bryan. We saw this match front row at a house show in Great Knoxville. Match, dude. Great. But by this time, they have screwed Daniel Bryan every way they can. You're almost tired of seeing Daniel Bryan and Randy Orton work because even before Bryan wins the world title from Ort from Cena at SummerSlam, they feud throughout the summer because Orton makes it out like Bryan's the weak link in Team Hell No, and he's trying to prove himself. They had that brutal match on Raw with the kendo stick shots. I think and that's they, on our list. Yeah, and then there's, I think it's the week before they have the one where they actually stop, stop the, match the match and, and Daniel Bryan gets pissed. Um, but around this time, man, that the authority is already wearing thin for a lot of people. And they're doing a lot of the same matches every month for pay-per-views. And there's only so much those guys can do to make it entertaining. Yeah. I feel like they're just waiting through until the, the network drops so they can start putting pro- the stuff on there. Um, fun fact though, about the show for what it's worth. Uh, this show was voted by the wrestling observer newsletter as the worst major wrestling wrestling show of 2013. Hard to argue. Yeah. Fuck Dave Meltzer. But um, it is very hard to argue by that lineup that this is not the worst show of the year. No. With that, Travis, uh, we're going to take a quick commercial break, guys, and we're going to watch along this match. Next Generation Wrestling is an independent wrestling organization that runs professional wrestling shows in East Tennessee. We have been running shows since 2014 and have featured talented independent wrestlers from all over the world, with our shows being featured primarily on High Spots TV. Follow us on all social media platforms at NextGenTN to find out about upcoming shows. Hello, Wrestling Recommendations listeners. My name is Brian, one half of the Wrestling Purists podcast, alongside my tag team partner and best friend, Jeff. We are the Wrestling Purists, two guys who share a love for the sport of professional wrestling and have been podcasting since 2020. Our flagship series, The Retro Review, is where we take a show from the past, bring it to the present, and cover it through the lens of a wrestling purist. We also have Pure Talk, an interview series where we welcome talent to the pod to talk all things professional wrestling. We can't talk about our pod and not mention The Shoot, a series where we get together with our good friends, Eddie and Travis, from right here at Wrestling Recommendations and shoot on whatever needs to be shot on. You can listen to us on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere podcasts are available. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, TikTok, and all social media outlets at WPPod1. All direct links and more are available at our website, linktree.com slash WPPod1. Come give us a listen as we give a pure take on professional wrestling. And we are back, Travis. If you guys want, you can pull up your Peacock app, uh, search Battleground. It's going to be Season 1, Episode 1, where you will see Ryback. God damn um, it. Yeah, your favorite, Travis. Uh, we're going to start at the 1 hour, 11 minute, and 30 second mark. The bell had just rung. Uh, Dusty's in the corner of Dustin and Cody. And Dean Ambrose is in the corner of Reigns and Rollins. 
So, Travis, are you ready to watch this match this week, buddy? Let's do it. All righty. Uh, we're going to say three, two, one, and play and get this bad boy going. Three, two, one, play. And here we go. Blast from the past here. Or it's wild. The future. Yeah, it is kind of wild. I was thinking about this too as they were they started this match off. I was like, man, these guys would go on to have like three straight bangers in a row. Yeah, I know. And then like it's just a little taste of what you're gonna see later on and and stuff. It's just it's crazy to see it. Yeah, something you're not really gonna notice here, um, just because you know we don't have the audio for this match. The crowd is completely invested for this entire match. They pop for everything. They're into everything they do. Out of everything on the show, this is the one thing that is super uh, invested for the crowd. And uh, I, I think it's really worth going back and watching with the sound on to hear the crowd pop for this. Uh, like, it's uh, they're invested. This is the best match on the card, no doubt about it. And... These guys have them in the palm of their hands. Also, Dean Ambrose, if you look at the back of his neck, just has a lot of fucking hair gel, and it looks like jizz on the back of his neck. Just uh, throw that out there. Yeah, you'll you'll be watching for it now. This is a cool face-off, too, right here. Dusty taking the belt. Dusty taking that belt off, getting ready. Man, I got to tell you, the shield the shield was like the coolest thing for me. I love the fact we we were all watching it at B-dubs when um, they debuted. And um, like I didn't have any idea who Roman Reigns was. I was like, who is that? Of course, I knew who Moxley was, Ambrose, because I had been watching, you know, went to FCW show, saw him. And then Rollins, I had been watching NXT. I was like, oh, fuck, that's Seth Rollins. So it was really cool to see them debut. You didn't know who Liaki was, man? Also, uh just a heads up for everybody. The the rain has arrived at the last residence pretty hard right now. Yeah, we didn't mention we're we've been having some storms, so um bear bear mind to that. Travis, when did you first see this match? I watched this live, man. I can't remember where. I think it was the it might have I don't think I watched it here in uh Tennessee, but I think I may have bootlegged this bad boy and immediately regretted it because it was not a good show. <laughs> I told you, like I said last week, um, the night this show happened, we were already in the hospital because Kalen was born the very next day. So I was trying to bootleg it and I couldn't find it. I see the hair gel now that you're talking about it. I saw it. Um, but yeah, I, I was trying to watch it too. Um, there used to be, um, I'm trying to think where I used to, I can't remember what the 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 site was that I used to watch it, but I used to watch uh uh, Colts games on that same website because I couldn't watch them back in um, Tennessee. Oh yeah. Cause of the blackouts and stuff. And uh, they also didn't have Colts uh, games here. Cause Colts suck. Sorry. Actually they were, good at this time. they were good at this time, but I think if, if Kalen was born, I may have been in Tennessee at this point because um, I was, I was there not long after she was arrived on this, on, on this earth. Yep. I think we all met up at um, IHOP. Mm-hmm. And then you came over to the house after we all got breakfast and we went over there. Um, but yeah, I remember watching it then. Do you think Dustin should have wrestled as Dustin in this feud and not Gold Dust? Like, it's kind of comical. Like, the, the promo before this, like the week before on Raw, he's wearing a suit, but he's wearing the Gold Dust paint makeup. It's kind of silly. And he has no he has no gloves on. I mean, he has his gloves on. No, no, sorry. No gloves on, 
but he's in a suit with face paint. Uh, yeah, very weird. I, I think it should have been Dustin Rhodes, but I get why they did it because the WWE audience was more, uh, more tuned into Goldust. That was their character that they knew. So I understand it. But then again, it makes for some very goofy moments with him wearing a suit uh, with face paint and then getting his ass beat wearing a suit with face paint. I mean, I feel like he's still going to wear a bodysuit and just not wear the face. It could have been, you know, kind of like what he does now. I think that would have looked really yeah. cool. But like, it is more, he is more recognizable as Goldust than not Goldust by the WWE audience. Well, and I'll tell you in this match, there are points, and this may be one of them. I know there's one where Cody's in a tree of woe where they're like, we want gold dust. Yes. We want gold dust. Like, uh, there's even some signs that say we came for gold dust. <laughs> so, um, gold dust very much over here. Yep, right there. There it is. Yep. We came to see gold dust. Yep. But they also, this, I, I'll say I really didn't like the commentary team on here. Michael Cole does a great job of steering the ship and is very serious and gives facts and stuff. But JBL does point out, he's like, uh, these guys are 16 years apart. Um, and they've even so, and Cole says these even self admittedly said that they didn't have much of a relationship growing up because it was the tale of two dusties. When Dustin was growing up, dusty was still very much the world champion touring, uh, was a wrestler. When Cody was growing up, he was a stay-at-home dad. He was the WCW executive, coached his football team, coached his or was there for every wrestling match. So, and that was a lot of the bitterness that the Dustin had in the in the mid '90s with his dad. Um, beautiful, beautiful moonsault beautiful there. Moonsault. They do a great job of telling that story, even if the chemistry with this team isn't the best. Yeah, and it, it's pretty cool to watch. You know. What would kind of Dustin comes in the crowd pops hard here, and it's Roman and Dustin, and he's he's look how fast he's yeah. moving. He tell he's like in the best shape he's been in a long time. I was literally about to say I was like, look how fast he's moving for a guy, and you got to think that Dustin's not as old as people think he is at this point because he started wrestling. He was like nineteen years old, so he's not as old as people think he is. But the dude is like the best shape of his career moving around like he was the natural of 93. Yeah. The crowd is even chanting. You still got it too. Like they're all about some gold dust right here. And I think out of pretty much every story that's involved on this show, this is the one that the that people were most invested in. They've done a really good job telling the story. Gold is going to hit this awesome, like spinning crossbody off the top rope. That would have been a, that would have been a disqualification in WCW 1992, by the way. Hey, Bill Watts isn't here, brother. Yeah, you're but right. You're, God. You're, you're right, man. If you look at this card, this is probably the the only real story Ooh. going into this show besides the Daniel Bryan, Randy Orton. In uh, retrospect, yeah. this should have been the main event. Yeah. But they were never going to give it that at this point because no. they, they didn't see the value in Cody. They may have saw the. They thought Dusty was the the driving force of this, but really, if you look at it, it was more Gold Dust than anybody because the crowd was super into Gold Dust. Oh yeah, that was a great spot too. Him rolling out. Uh, I think the craziest part of this, for all of it, to me, is ten years later, not even ten years, about you know nine and a half years later, Roman Reigns and Cody Rhodes main evented WrestleMania, and that's fucking wild to think about. And on top of that, Cody Cody Rhodes has le had left the company, came back, 
and is a superstar. And he's, un, you know, and they say it all the time, undesirable to undeniable, but it's very true. Like, he went from somebody just kind of in a spot to the number one guy in the company. And the fact that they couldn't see that at this point is a little sad. I think they've done a great job booking with Cody. I still feel like he should have been the one to beat Roman. That's just me. I think um, it was tailor-made for that moment. I guess I understand why it happened. You know, they want the hardships and uh, the the payoff in the long run is going to be good when it does happen. But it's still wild to me you know, to think that after this match, they had a guy ready to be the next level. He could have been a, a guy in your main event scene. And instead they kind of saddle him here with this tag team with Dustin, which cool, good on them, but, they both didn't need that. Dusty Dustin could have been a great addition to the mid card to help elevate those guys. And Cody could have been used as an up and coming guy, a fresh face in the main event scene. I agree with that. Like he was, he was over. Like he, he had come off the thing with Sandow. People wanted to see him win money in the bank. Like there's always one guy that people pick at money in bank that that's the guy they want. And Cody was the guy that year. And then, with this, he everybody's invested in the storyline, the Rhodes brothers, and even if Goldust, like you said, is mid card, doesn't mean that they can't still team up. His brother can't help him in when he gets in a pickle or in a spot. But Cody could have been that next guy you make. He could have feuded with Orton. That's a ready made story at this time. Legacy, you know, coming back to take out the guy that trained him. Essentially, they could have done it, you know, any way they wanted to. And they just they just chose to stick with the status quo, Cena versus Orton. Dude, and I gotta put over too the evolution of Seth Rollins as a character from going to you know the shield here, well being kind of you know the punk rock uh guy, the hardcore scene guy from N- NXT um to the shield to becoming the architect and then kind of becoming you know um the beast slayer and the king slayer to becoming the drip God. Now, you know, the, the Messiah Monday night Messiah, the drip God. It, it, it's incredible that he's done a really good job reinventing himself. And the fact that he's so fucking over right now is, is incredible. Well, and you got to think it that I remember when we used to talk about the shield, we were all like, Oh, Dean, Dean Ambrose is the guy, the guy, he's, got, he's the guy, he's going to be the one man. Like, and then they're going to, they're going to push Roman because that's their guy. And we always thought that kind of, Seth was going to be the guy kind of left in the middle, but he's arguably the most over and probably the t- more total package than Roman Reigns is. And he's definitely more of a better, he's a better wrestler than Dean Ambrose, John Moxley is. So the guy that everybody kind of was like, what's going to happen with him has turned out to be the biggest guy for WWE right now besides Roman Reigns. But he's a, to me, he's oh. a better worker than Roman Reigns. Beautiful snap power power slam there yeah it is it is incredible though that i think you could easily say that the shield is one of the top groups to ever be formulated just by main event scene alone Here comes well, Cody. look at this springboard beautiful we we give john moxley crap but they can't deny that he's a huge star in aw um and he was a huge star in wwe i mean but to me if anybody's regressed out of that group it's him I agree with that. Like the, the the intensity here at the Alabama Slam is he does this crazy spin with it. Um, 
man, the crowd has been hooked since the start. And I just, I love the fact, like I said, if you guys watch this match, definitely go back and watch it with the sound on because the crowd, they are into everything they've done. There's not been one little moment in this match. The crowd is fully invested. I think it should have been made of them easily. Oh yeah. And like the fact that they're getting louder and louder and louder and keeping up with these guys, it's, it's a testament to the storyline that they're telling the story they're doing. Everything in this match is meaning something. The roads are fighting for their careers and it's very much brought up on commentary multiple times. Here comes a muscle buster. They don't call it that, but that's what it is. I forgot he did that move until I watched this match back. He used to do it every once in a while. Here we go. Things are going to start to break down here really quick. As they start to break down, Travis, Oh, cagematch.net users, what do you think they rated this match? Mm, seven. I'm going to go seven. Disaster kick. You'd, you'd be wrong, and I'm really surprised at the rating for this. 8.17 out of 10, mm. with most users saying this match had great emotional storytelling and that the crowd was super hot and invested in this feud, and I agree. I agree with that. Like that is a little higher than I thought they would rate it because I figured they would look at it as, oh, it's just a tag match, you know, on a shitty card. And I, I figured they would go that route. But this is another spot breaks oh. it off. Oh, Moxie would have bladed right there. This if he could have bladed, he would have bladed. And the bladed. crowd pops so fucking hard for Dusty. And you see Roman Reigns. Roman's is gonna is gonna run around there like he's gonna attack him. And out of nowhere, you see Dustin fly in and cut him off. It's fucking great. Oh yeah, they time it just right. Boom! Gets there, takes right him out. Fucking there. And then and we're, he, here we go. We're gonna get to the finish here. Rollins goes great. for a roll up. One, two, kick out. Watch the intensity on this. It's so look at that crowd. That crowd emotion. right. Crowd Boom. right there is hyped. One, They're two, three. The reaction, like I, dude, I almost teared up watching this. Like back, it's like it, it was like a real good feel good moment. Look at the crowd. Yep. Look Super at Dusty, emotional. man. And maybe miss Dusty, man. Well, and you got to think in his mind is Dusty. Like I'm out here with my boys, but this is gonna be one of the, probably one of the last times I'm ever out here with them, like on camera and stuff. So it's it's a great feel good moment for all of them. The emotion Goldust showed jumping back in the ring looks real because it probably is like look man we just did this we're i'm proud of this and well and dusty understands too that what he's doing with his face is selling the moment even more the emotion is there but he such like right moment, here such cool, moment. cool moment that those guys can have forever and it's just all the roads boys man that jbl puts it over great on commentary what this means, Michael Cole does too. Lawler, not so much. Lawler just kind of pops in and out here, but like it's just like you said, a great feel good moment for these guys. And that, and, and I go back to the crossroads, man. When he hooks him in the crossroads, that crowd goes crazy. That bionic elbow, they it, went crazy it, it, too. It was, it was so fun. Everything about this match, man. Like, this is like the perfect tag match. You got your heel heat. You get your, you had your baby spots. You have a really hot ending, uh, everything. Um, while we're on it real quick, Lene's Mountie Mark, K Charles 520 wrote, and he wrote this in April of this year, 2023, five out of 10, a basic formulaic tag match without factoring in the Rhodes family storyline. This was about as average as it could be get 
I personally didn't find the storyline all that interesting, so it didn't really boost the match for me. Now, he's he is our Mountie Mark, but here's the thing. He's reviewing this match from this year. He yeah. did not really watch the buildup to this storyline on the Raws. So he already is, his opinion to me doesn't mean anything. No, and you're right on that. Like, I don't feel like his opinion matters because if he wasn't, if he, the, the whole thing about this match is the story and the fans being into that story, any match can be a formulaic match and be, you know, by the numbers, but a lot of it has to do with the story. Like, not a lot of people just watch a match for a match itself. There's got to be some storyline to it. Hell, even there's Dean Malenko right there, too. Dolph Ziggler, uh, all these guys that Double are out A, there. Mike Rotunda. Um, Zach Ryder, Mark, Matt Cardona. But that's the thing, man. Like, a lot of a lot of matches would be great matches with without a story, but the story adds to it. It makes it better. And for them to say it's a formulaic tag match, I don't agree with that either because there's spots in here that you wouldn't see in a, a normal tag match. The moonsaults the the things with dusty outside like that makes part of this match even better but there's a lot of intensity in this match and if it was just a basic tag match you wouldn't be seeing that in there so i don't agree with sir charles dipshit but i just think that you know if he watched the story and was invested in it then it would make this match even better i don't agree five out of ten at all i would say i'm gonna i would say eight eight point five if it was me i, I agree with uh cage match on this one I'm with him too. And and the emotion in the crowd, it just everything was everything was lined up perfectly for it, man. And um go back and watch this match. It is worth the watch just to see this story. It is so good. Yeah, I agree, man. Like the story itself is tremendous. It adds to the match. Like it wouldn't this, like you said, this match wouldn't be on our list more than likely without the story. Because the story adds to it. It's a great match without the story, but the story makes it even that much better. Yeah, I 100% agree. Like you said, 8.5. I would rate this probably an 8.25. Um, I do, I mean, I do, uh, to an extent, I believe it's a very, it's a basic match, but not every match needs to be this elaborate thing. The basic match got the job done telling the story. The story is yeah. what matters mattered in this, and the story culminated perfectly with the finish of this match. Well, and the thing of it is, man, it's like you said, this guy's watching it from 2023 eyes, so he's watching it with a young buck state of mind or um, something like that where it's a, a, a spot fest and zippity-doo-dahs and all that stuff. But if you can tell the story good enough, you don't have to do that. You can have what this guy considers a basic tag match and it still means something and be and be impactful. I'd hate for this guy to go back and watch anything from the eighties. If he thought this was a basic by the numbers tag match. Yeah. Um, like I said, I highly suggest you guys go back and watch this with the sound on because it adds a whole nother level to the match. Mm -hmm. Travis, the aftermath a week later on the October 14th, Monday Night Raw, the Shield would lose the tag titles to the Rhodes Brothers. They would hold on to the tag titles until the Royal Rumble where they would lose them to the New Age Outlaws, which is a terrible decision. Yep. The cracks started to begin in the Shield as the year ended, seeing more dissension in the Royal Rumble as Roman eliminated both Seth and Dean. 
It was originally Dean that started taunting Roman and Seth as he was the only member to still have his U.S. championship. The Shield would go on to have a banger with the Wyatt family at the Elimination Chamber 2014 show, which ruled so much ass and is on the list. Yes, very, very true. Great match. Those those guys always had great matches, the Shield and uh, the Wyatt family. Same thing with the oh, Usos. Good, yeah, oh, definitely. So fucking good. The group reconciled on an episode of SmackDown and shortly after became baby faces the night after WrestleMania 30 after they, after they stopped Triple H from attacking Daniel Bryan and stood up to them, which would lead into their feud with Evolution, which some of those matches are on our list. A good little feud. Evolution is a mystery. That's the whole reason the Shield didn't break up before Mania is to get that feud. I really believe that. I really think they were on the way to breaking it up before Mania. And then they're like, oh, well, Batista's coming back. We can get this Evolution feud. Because they they invested in trying to break it up there for a little bit with that whole Dean Yeah, Ambrose it, it felt thing. like it was going to happen. And Dean was, was was kind of the main one. And then, of course, they swerve all of us with uh, there's always a, a plan B. And um, Seth Rollins turned on uh, Roman Reigns and Dean Ambrose, which lead, led right into uh, Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose's feud that would last pretty much the rest of the year. And it made Seth Rollins a bona fide heel and a bona fide star. So very much so uh, that was the right choice. Like we said earlier, we always thought it was going to be Dean Ambrose and it was Seth Rollins. And I 100% believe that was the right choice. In the I agree 100%. Cody and Dustin would continue to uh, be a team throughout 2014 until Cody began blaming himself for the team losing. And in June – we get to see Stardust, which <sighs> the less we mention, the better. I don't want to talk any more about all of that because one day we're going to get a Cody Rhodes match on here and we're going to get to talk about all of that. I don't want to, I want to save all of that. So I don't even want to touch it. It makes me sick to think about. Yeah. To what they did <laughs> to the guy that should have been one of your top new faces of the company. Like I said, the less said about that, the better. And I'm sure when we cover an AEW Cody match, we'll we'll get to discuss that bullshit harebrained idea. Yeah. So Travis, uh, final thoughts on this match, man. Ah, uh, man, like I said, I would go back and watch it with the volume on. Watch that crowd on that co crossroads. Cody Rhodes was a star, and he was and and being made into a star in that match, and they didn't do anything with it. Also, man, the Shield at this time didn't put on a bad match. So if you put them in a match with someone, you can guarantee it was going to be good. And that's why they became, you know, who they are now is like those guys could go out there and have a match with anyone. And I, I still believe that that uh, Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns are probably two of the top three people in the WWE right now. You throw Cody Rhodes in there, you have your probably your top three best uh people for for the company um moxley like i said i feel like that guy's kind of regressed a little bit but the shield man there was a reason that they were dubbed the future of the business and you could start to see it here and you fast forward to now and you'll know why they put so much uh behind those guys because they they could handle it they could do it i think it's clear to see that the, the shield did become the future of the business i mean like all things considered john moxley's kind of you know one of the big biggest stars in AEW and Roman Reigns has been kind of the guy lately. And Seth Rollins is super over. So they successfully 
accomplish what they were going to accomplish with the shield. They did a great job. They got everybody ready. They dropped the ball here with Cody. You could have easily thrusted him into the main event, but you know what? Retrospect, he may not be, he may not have been ready for it. And because of all that, it led into the American nightmare that we have now. And watching Cody work is fun now. And watching the crowd interact with him is fun. Like everybody loves him and uh, rightfully so he's busting his ass. So, um, Shout out to this. I, I highly suggest, like I said, the biggest thing I can tell you is to watch this match with the sound on. And um, yeah, I, I'm really glad we got this match. It was a fun one. And and I will say, if if you want to seek out the match where they win the tag titles, it's it's a really good match until Big Show interferes and knocks the Shield out, and they win the titles. Uh, they should have not had to have Big Show knock the Shield out for them to win the belts. They should have been able to win them like they did here, clean. I agree. I agree. Well, Travis, now it's time for the part of the show where we get to go to the Will of Destiny. Guys, if you're new to the podcast, this is our favorite part of the show. This is where we decide, and it's kind of chosen, which match we cover next week. Uh, We have an ongoing list right now, our wrestling recommendations that span from 1977 all the way to, you know, this past weekend, which just happened, um, featuring WWF, WWF, WCW, WWE, TNA, Ring of Honor, EW, New Japan Pro Wrestling, the UWF. I think we have some WCCW matches on there. Um, it's a little bit of everything. Of course, you know, along with that, NGW, the show I'm involved with, there's some matches on there as well. Um, right now, we're still setting at 299 matches, Travis. Oh, yeah. And there's still more to add um, as we go along. Like, I still got to go back and watch that Osprey Nido match and. Uh, I need to watch. I need to ask, officially send over that Rock Benoit cage match from Raw. But yeah, I mean, we keep adding. As long as wrestling keeps happening, they'll, we'll keep adding stuff to it. So um, we'll keep adding to the Wheel of Destiny. Yeah, guys. So how it works is we take all all those matches, all 299 that we still have on the list that's ever growing. Uh, we put it into a randomizer, the Will of Names, the Will of Destiny. Uh, we shuffle it and we spin it. Whatever it lands on, that's the match we cover. It's a 100% shoot. It is real. We have no idea which match we're covering next week until this happens. Travis. Yeah, Co- yeah Cody Ford. Dang, piece of shit. What do you think we're going to get this week? I'm going William Regal, WCW. Steven Regal. I'm telling you, I still have my heart set on Page and Savage, so I'm 97 WCW. It's going to be AEW because I said WCW this time. Yeah, I'm cool with that, too. We haven't had an AEW match on here. All right, let's spin the wheel, Travis, and let's make a deal, buddy. Spin it. Spin the wheel. Spin the wheel. Make the deal. Fuck you, Eric. Fuck you, Scott. Fuck you, Scott. And it's stopping. Fuck you, Brandon. Ooh, it is early WCW. It is a tag match. Early WCW tag match doesn't involve the Steiners. It does not involve the Steiners. Doesn't involve the Young Pistols. It does. <laughs> there we <laughs> go. <Really good> guess. <laughs> Midnight Express versus the Young Pistols from the Great American Bash 1990. That is a good match, and it's going to be a team that we probably won't talk a lot about in the Young Pistols. But uh, Cornette had the Midnight Express putting on some uh, classics here in early WCW. Uh, regardless of Jim Hurd, like those guys still went out and put on great matches. Dude, so. I'm so excited. We get some Tracy fucking Smothers on the podcast. I love Tracy. Rest in peace. I have gotten, I had gotten to meet Tracy. I've gotten to know Tracy Smothers from uh, doing shows with NGW. 
I fucking loved Tracy so much. Like it, it really it bugged me a lot when Tracy passed away. And uh, I'm really excited to talk about the Midnight Express. Oh yeah, man. And like I said, can't say enough good things about the Midnight Express and being able to go back and give me a reason to listen to their theme song will be uh, a great little treat too. But you can't get on the WWE network. You gotta you gotta get that shit from YouTube. But we won't we don't get to talk about the young pistols a lot. They're kind of a forgotten tag team, but they were they were uh, on the cusp of being great in WCW, and things just didn't go the way they should have for those guys. But uh, I believe it's Scott is Scott Armstrong and Tracy Smothers are, are the Young Pistols. I always confuse it if it's Steve or Scott, but I believe it's Scott. And uh, they man, they put on some great, great matches. Them and the Freebirds have some great matches too. Oh yeah, oh yeah, dude! I'm I'm really stoked about this. Uh, uh, I'm just excited to see some Bobby Eaton. I think this is the first time we've had the Midnight Express on the podcast. Am I wrong? It is. I believe it is the first time we've had the Midnight's on. We've had the Rock and Roll, and we've had uh, the Fantastics, but no Midnight Express yet. No Jim Cornette. Dude, this is so great. And this is for the U.S. tag titles as well. United States tag titles. Which they're getting ready to retire. Are you are you around that spot, right? Where they're retiring the U.S. tag titles? Or they've yeah, already done so it? really quick, really quick. So I know we talked about it last week. I am like balls deep into WCW in 1992 right now. Um, uh, I had Travis, like they're doing the Great American Bash Tour and they had this show that they keep hyping. J- Jake Roberts just debuted. Um, but the, the show, it was like a house show and they're hyping it for the Omni on the episode of Saturday Night. And it is... It was Vader versus Ron Simmons. Ron Simmons is champion now as well, uh, which he won it on one of those shows in Baltimore. But it's Vader versus Ron Simmons, Jake Roberts versus Jake the Snake, Ro- or Sting versus Jake the Snake Roberts, uh, Nikita Koloff and Rick Ruder feuding for the U.S. title, and Steve Austin and Ricky Steamboat are feuding over the TV title. It's That's a like, hell of a card. It's like peak. So I try to get, I try to find it, but it's like you can't find the footage anywhere. Like I couldn't find it. I mean, if we dug hard enough, we could find it because they show footage of it on the next Saturday night. Which we're ro- I'm rolling into Clash of the Champions 20, which it's like a big main, like a, a an eight man tag elimination match as the main event. So uh, I'm, I'm I'm creeping up on that. But uh, I, uh, Tracy I, Smothers right now is a, is a jobber. They broke up the Young Pistols. I. I uh... I can't, I haven't even told you this yet, but I finished buying all of WCW Saturday night from that guy on Blu-ray. So we'll have the unedited uh, episodes here soon coming to the house. So I will own WCW Saturday night from its inception all the way through 2000. I need you to find, um, I think it's worldwide or Mm -hmm. main event. Is that main event? I have both on that Google drive. I can't, I can't remember which one it is that they that they keep hyping on. Um, it was like their Saturday, like their Saturday morning show because they did a Saturday morning show. Then they had WCW Saturday Night later on. It's one or the it's other. World, I can't remember. It's it's worldwide because main event Sunday nights. That's it. That's it. Yep. So uh, there's some good shit going on there too. I need to get that stuff and go through and watch it fully and and grow and gross myself with it. But I'm really excited, man. I'll get get some Tracy Smothers, uh, Young Pistols, and um. Sweet Stan Lane. I'm really excited about this. I'm Travis. looking forward to it. Myself. Travis, what do you got for me? Uh, not much, man. You know, just still selling stuff on uh, eBay's at TGL The Man 12. Uh, go there and check out all the wares I've been putting up and doing things with. 
Uh, be sure to check out the Wrestle Purist. I believe I am on next week uh, covering. Man, it's bad. I don't remember what I'm covering because I know the next the you cover SummerSlam, and then I cover Unbreakable. I think it's World War Three, nineteen ninety five. If I'm not badly fooled, so I get right back into things of nineteen ninety five again, which I don't know if that's a good thing or bad thing. No, it's Fall Brawl, Fall Brawl, nineteen ninety four. Sorry, uh, World War Three is later on in the year, and so is uh, uh, other things. But yeah, Fall Brawl, nineteen ninety four. So not the best fall brawl uh, that's the one with a uh, fucking bunkhouse buck and shit in the war games match <laughs> he just so, had, that's another one who just recently yep. passed away as well yep sorry for all you <laughs> bunkhouse buck fans but i am not a bunkhouse buck fan of his work in wcw so yeah i think i'm supposed to hop on uh, we were supposed to do SummerSlam 2002 and i told them after um, bray wyatt passed away i was like man i'm just not feeling this like i, I just need like to kind of decompress so um we took we took that off. I think we're supposed to uh, regroup on that. I, I believe on um, two weeks, two in a couple weeks. weeks. So I'll be on there as well. Um, there's going to be a wrestling recommendation sandwich and Eddie's the meat. And I'm the bread. That's right. So. Uh, really quick too, Travis. Uh, I know I posted a picture of it. I have my ready to rumble poster hanging up in my office finally. Um, that you ha- you got for me. Okay. Um, I do also have my no holds barred poster. Uh, however, the back part that holds the actual like like holds the poster up is broke off. So I got to get a new poster back um, for my um, for my no holds barred poster, and it will be up here as well. Hell yeah, get that shit hung up, man. Zeus, it's here. Um, definitely check Travis out on uh, eBay at Travis. Uh, the, Is it TGL, Travis the man? TGL, TGL the man? TGL the man 12. Always selling stuff on there. Uh, Jeff, definitely check us out here soon. We're going to be uh, doing a toy show um, mm. in October. It's going to be taking place uh, in Pigeon Forge. The only bad thing is I, I got super stoked. I was going to do like terror, Smoky Mountain, was it Terror in the Woods or Smoky Mountain Terror Con or whatever? Hard Dan- Con or something. I believe so. Danielle Harris was supposed to be there who played Jamie in Halloween 4 and 5. Um, however, she had canceled. So I'm really pissed off. Cause like that was the one person I wanted to meet. So I still may go, I might meet Bill Mosley, who was in, um, the night of the living dead remake. He is Otis from house of a thousand corpses and, uh, the devil's rejects. And also Kane Hodder who played Jason in part seven, eight and nine and Jason X. So, um, got that going on here in a couple of weeks. Um, Travis, you got anything else for me? I uh, know just to touch on that toy show, it's the Smoky Mountain Collectors Con, and it is October 13th and 14th, $5 admission in uh, lovely Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. Uh, come on down and hang out with uh, the guys from Wrestling Recommendations that cut Brandon A. Lene from uh, damn uh, fucking Rants from Black Lodge, which we're still, I guess, in communication to to be on that podcast again. They need to boost those numbers because Fat Tony's a cuck. Um, but, and also fantasy football getting ready to uh, start yeah, up. Dude. We just yeah, did, a, I was just about to say that too. We just did our fantasy draft, which was an auto draft with Brandon and, uh, pretty happy with my team being, I didn't pick anybody on it, but I'm pretty happy with it. I have, um, Patrick Mahomes and Derek Henry on that team and T Higgins. I got a pretty good, pretty solid team. I have way too many fucking receivers though. I, <laughs> like <did>. seven. <laughs> I had too many running backs that, and some of them weren't great, but, uh, yeah, I hope Derek Henry breaks his ankle. For the Colts' sake, I hope he does too. <laughs> oh man, what about Jonathan Taylor? I don't want to talk about it. 
I don't want to talk about football. It's gonna, it's gonna just make me sad. I'm really, I'm, I'm being very optimistic about Anthony Richardson, but we're already not gonna have Jonathan, uh, Jonathan Taylor for at least four games. So there's that. And Ursay's not wanting to trade him. I think he's gonna let his contract run out. They don't. They're not gonna get enough for him, but they don't want to pay him enough to keep him, which makes no sense. It sounds like my owner, bud. <laughs> he's doing coke. That's all that matters. He is. Yes, uh, guys, definitely check us out on social media at Wrestling Recommendations on the TikTok and on Facebook. Uh, Tune in on Sunday or Saturdays at 10 a.m. We drop the watch along. So far, only one video has been taken down. It was the Seth Rollins AJ Styles match. Uh, So definitely go back and watch along with us. I still highly recommend watching this show with the sound on. Uh, Follow us on Twitter at Wrestling Recom, R E C O M M. R, R, yeah, that's right. Yep. R, 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 E, C, O, M, M. And then, um, guys, NGW, we just, we've already announced, uh, Shaft returning the, um, um, Pacific Northwest, the Fi unsanctioned champion. He returns after he had that banger of a match with Facade at our past show. Um, and then also, uh, Shaza McKenzie is making her debut. The Aussie is going to be uh, showing up, the Heartbreak Core. Um, so she's been, we've been wanting to get her on a show for a while. I'm really, uh, excited to see her make her debut. Uh, but that show is October 8th going to be taking place in Knoxville at Jackson terminal in the old city nightmare in the old city. Uh, get ticks at nextgentn.net slash tickets and follow us at nextgentn. Uh, yeah. Uh, before we head out, Travis, like we kind of talked about, uh, we're going to have Brandon's tribute to Terry Funk here at the end. Uh, but until next week, when we get to see the Young Pistols and the Midnight Express duel it out for the U.S. tag titles, I am Eddie, and this is Travis, and we'll see you then. The following announcement has been paid for by the Rant Army. Recording live from the Black Lodge, it's me, the free will burning, head turning, ass kicking, machismo dripping, master podcasting, mouthpiece of the Southeast, uncontested superstar of the airwaves, and your reigning and defending podcast champion of the world, suck it, Travis. That's right, it's me, host of the Rants from the Black Lodge podcast, beautiful Brandon A. Lane, doing a run in for wrestling recommendations. However, it does come. With a solemn sigh, as I put my knee to the ground, my eyes to the sky, and with a heavy heart, I have come back to pay tribute to one of the greatest icons of professional wrestling, this era, past era, future era, any era, one of the biggest of all time, period, from Amarillo, Texas, and the Double Cross Ranch, Terry Funk. Now, whether you remember him as the traveling NWA World's Heavyweight Champion in the 70s, or you remember him from later in his career as the hardcore icon of ECW, or as one of the original LJN action figures during the height of the boom of wrestling in the mid-80s during the Rock and Wrestling Connection, or you could be like me and be forever indebted to the indelible mark that he left on wrestling in 1989 when he had a trio of incredible matches with the Nature Boy Ric Flair. In fact, one of the very first people I ever truly hated in professional wrestling was Terry Funk. So Terry Funk uh, had been retired, or at least so the American audience was aware. He was doing some great stuff in Japan, but he retired in the early 80s, or at least he tried to. He's retired more than uh, than you know I've ever took steps in my life. He just couldn't give it up. But... 
he came off of one of the biggest runs in Japan of all time, period. The most loved gaijin of all time. That's American wrestler in Japan. And you got to put that into perspective. Bigger than Brody. Bigger than Stan Hansen. Bigger than Hulk Hogan. Terry Funk was the guy. But in the American consciousness, Terry Funk had kind of been off doing Paradise Alley with Sylvester Stallone or Roadhouse. He'd been kind of out of the public spotlight. And here he is, a judge during the final match between Ricky Steamboat and Ric Flair. And he kind of jokingly sets this up early on, like, you know, haha, I'd like a shot at the, at the championship next. And Flair kind of, uh, you know, brushes it off. Well, I guess Funk didn't take to that too well, because at the end of the night, it was Funk who was going to stand over a slain champion with his eyes fully locked in on becoming a two-time world's heavyweight champion. Now, let's take a trip back in time. Terry Funk was a huge success as NWA World's Heavyweight Champion, so much so that they wanted to continue on with him, but because he wanted to be home and be with his wife, a wife, mind you, he was married to for over 40 years, or maybe just at 40 years, and she passed away not long ago, and I think that was probably the beginning of the end, which is quite sad, but it's it's also kind of sweet at the same time. So, he retires, and he or doesn't retire, he walks away from the NWA championship, which at that point was the big deal. If you were NWA champion, you were everything. You went everywhere. You made the most money. You are the center centerpiece in the chess set that is the squared circle of professional wrestling. Terry Funk walks away. He goes and he starts doing movies and he becomes a huge star, a recognizable icon. And now that even though WCW's business was sort of on the slump, they're doing some of their greatest in-ring stuff ever. And Terry Funk is able to reap the rewards of the setup between Ric Flair and Rick Steamboat, that amazing trilogy, and he would lead it on into three amazing matches of his own. And that's just the beginning of it. He teams up with the Great Muda and forms the JTEX Corporation. And you have rivals Sting and Ric Flair joining together to take on Gary Hart and the JTEX Corporation. And that that's some of my first true like edge of my seat memories of seeing seeing these things because I truly thought that Terry Funk was capable of murder, which is kind of funny because a decade later he'd be playing a character called Chainsaw Charlie, a guy who chased people with chainsaws on national television. If you come over, if you come out of a box, you're fucking over. I love you, Jim Cornette. And in that case, you might have been right because people loved Chainsaw Charlie. You probably shouldn't have. And you know what? I will give Terry Funk a pass because every dumb thing he ever did in the business, it's more than overwhelmed by good. And he was never selfish. He was always, always putting guys over and helping propel guys to the next stage of their career. And man, he came, he came back to WCW at the wrong time because they thought he was too old. A guy was like, he was in his forties, I think. Which is funny because, you know, look, AJ Styles in his 40s, now he's doing some of the best work of his career. But Terry Funk comes back and they make him a commentator and it just, you know, you could tell he didn't have the spark. He wanted to get back in the mix. And that's when Terry Funk goes from legend to icon because 
if you really think about it, Terry Funk was the first true independent wrestling superstar. It did not matter if he was wrestling uh, Bullet Bob Armstrong in Knoxville for Smoky Mountain Wrestling. I was in attendance for that. Or if he was wrestling in the ECW arena uh, for, you know, championship gold up there. Terry Funk was able to go anywhere and make money, and he did that on a consistent basis. And look at it this way. I, I am not a fan of the hardcore stuff, but there's just something about the way that Terry Funk was able to do it that I believe, and I believe it in a way that doesn't leave me with that like gross feeling of like I'm watching a murder. It's like watching a murder, but in a fun way, like watching a Friday the 13th murder is. So Terry Funk, absolutely deserving of the admiration, the accolades, everything that's been hoist upon him in his career. I can't say enough positive about him. I was lucky enough to have seen him wrestle live a couple of times in my life, and he did not leave me disappointed either time. That Bullet Bob Armstrong match, uh, man, fantastic stuff. Uh, me and my grandfather, you know, edge of our seats, screaming to the point of having raw throats. is stuff I will never forget. I will go to my grave thinking about. And Terry, even though, like, I never got to meet you face-to-face, um, I will tell you now, whether you can hear me or not, I hope you can up there on that cloud you're suplexing somebody on, but thank you. Sincerely, thank you for giving so much to the business that we all love, and all you asked for compensation was a few boos along the way. Cheers, my friend. Rest in peace, Terry Funk. <laughs>